One night we were playing in Asbury Park. I'd heard the Bruce Springsteen band was nearby at a club called The Student Prince. And on a break between sets, I walked over there. On stage, Bruce used to tell different versions of the story, but I'm a Baptist, remember, so this is the truth. A rainy, windy night it was, and when I opened the door, the whole thing flew off its hinges and blew away down the street. The band were on stage, but staring at me framed in the doorway. Maybe that did make Bruce a little nervous, because I just said, I want to play with your band, and he said, sure, you do anything you want. The first song we did was an early version of Spirit in the Night. Bruce and I looked at each other and didn't say anything. We just knew. We knew we were the missing links in each other's lives. He was what I'd been searching for. In one way, he was just a scrawny little kid, but he was a visionary. He wanted to follow his dream. So from then on, I was part of history. This story comes from Clarence Clemens, legendary saxophonist and member of the E Street Band. You might know him better by his nickname, The Big Man, famously referenced in the Springsteen single, 10th Avenue Freezeout. The big man made a big name for himself over the years. His place in the East Street Band secured his spot in the history books, but Clemens didn't stop there. The unstoppable saxophonist released several solo albums, recorded with Jackson Brown and Aretha Franklin, and even worked as an actor in film and television, showing up in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Simpsons, Different Strokes, and The Wire, to name a few. In 2011, complications from a stroke took the big man away from us, but he left on a high note, having recently recorded with one of his favorite modern artists, Lady Gaga. She's the real deal. All the craziness and stuff, there's a purpose to all of it. She has no boundaries, said Clemens of the pop superstar. Gaga was working on her second studio album, had a couple songs she wanted the E Street Band member to perform on. Most important is his performance on the album's third single, a song inspired by the death of Gaga's own grandfather. Quote, the song is about how when my grandma was standing over my grandfather while he was dying. There was this moment where I felt like he had sort of looked at her and reckoned that he had won in life. Like, I'm a champion. We won. Our love made us a winner, said Gaga. Clemens received a call in his Florida home one Friday evening asking him to come to New York to record. The big man said he was available on Monday or Tuesday. They said they needed him immediately. So, Clemens took off to New York and began recording at midnight. Gaga told him to play whatever he felt. Quote, I play sax for the whole song and I have a solo, said Clemens. Surprised I'm getting paid for this. I would have done it for free. I can never believe something that feels so good earns me money. The single did massive numbers thanks in no small part to the surprise solo from rock and roll royalty. Peaking at number 3 on the Billboard Hot 100, the single became Gaga's 10th consecutive top 10 single and has remained in the popular consciousness ever since. That's right, we're talking Lady Gaga's The Edge of Glory on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one should take me home tonight. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my glorious co-host. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how are you yeah. doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Just got some new glasses, which are the same as my old glasses in terms of the glasses part, like okay. the lenses, but like the they look a little themselves. different, so it's like a whole new me. You know what the the who would say if, if they saw your glasses? They'd say, "Meet the new glasses." Say, same as the old glasses. That also kind of sounds like uh, you make my dreams. Where work as you? But we're not talking about that today, Alex. No. First, right off the top, I got some some cover me news. Oh yeah. We hit a milestone this week, Alex. Ooh. On on March eighth, twenty twenty two, at five eighteen a.m., 
on on the hit social media app Twitter. Uh, we got a we got our first like comment from an internet stranger, Alex. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I asked him if I could read this this comment live on air. Well, yeah, recorded on air. I asked him if I could read it on an episode. He said yes. So this comes from Post Office Psyop is the uh, the username or at Riz Kiddo. That's I don't know if I should be saying that out loud. Follow him if you want. I don't know. I don't care. Be nice to him. He said nice things to us. He says, at Jake the Cressy, hey, loving the pod. Love the Thera moment, brackets my suggested name for the Theremin segment, at the top of the show. Keep it up. I share it with people I know. Also, hi, Alex. Oh. Hi, man. Hey. Hey, how's it going? How exciting. Yeah. That's number one. Frame that. Put that number on the wall. One, yeah, put that on the wall. I, I got a we call it, immediately baby. after from the big leagues. They said we're in, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking in, man. You're fucking in, bro. Um, what do you think about Thera moment, though? Uh, I, I mean, I, we appreciate the suggestion, but we're kind of already settled on Thera minute. I feel like Thera minute, you know, it's got all of Thera in there. And then but, it combines, and all of Minute in there. It's, we could, like, like alternate depending on how long we're talking about it. Like, only a moment this time. Right, a yeah. Moment. A moment is, I think, technically, if we get down to, like, the, the real definition is a medieval unit of measurement, which is actually longer than a minute. Oh. I think it's, like, a minute and a half. Between, like, a minute and a half and three minutes, I think, okay, is a we'll moment. Put 90 seconds on the clock. Let's Boom, go. it's a Thera moment. We do a Thera minute, and then if it goes on too long... It becomes a Thera moment. It becomes a Thera moment. Here's mm. the thing with Thera moment, though, I will say this, is if we were in the uh, in the, the mode of making parody like themes, you know that song that's like, I'm 15 for a moment? Yes, Thera I do. Moment. You can I check Thera moment in remember there. remember what it's called, though. Uh, probably like 15, there's still time for you or something like that. <laughs> Uh, 100 years. I would have never guessed that <laughs> if you gave me that amount of time to guess it. I'd be like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know the rest of that song. Anyway. Anyway, um, this seamlessly transitions us into what we will today call the Thera moment in mm. honor of our first internet stranger comment. Alex, what's new in Theremin land? It's almost there, man. It's almost there. It's, it's almost it's, Thera. It's almost Thera. <laughs> um, it's it's all painted and stained, and I did I did the the varnishing on all everything. The next thing I need to do is uh, there's uh, the the metal parts that hold the antennas on. I need to uh, they screw in, but I need to like glue them on. So the glue has to dry. I haven't glued them on yet. Uh, so I'll do that today or tomorrow, and then once that done, I once that's done, I can basically put it all in the box. Like mm. I can attach the top of the box on. I can put the front panel on, connect everything together. I have to drill some holes, but nothing else after that will need to like wait for something to dry. So it's mm. it's just going to be like put everything together, and it should be that should be it. it should be done. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just a bit of, like, small actions and a lot of waiting game, it sounds like. Yeah, fortunately, most of the waiting is, most of the waiting is over. Most Okay. That's why it's taking so freaking long. <laughs> yeah, fucking ace. So what are you thinking, like, two, three weeks here, and you're gonna be... I'm hoping, I mean, in theory, if I do the gluing today or tomorrow, it should just take, like, a day or two. 
And then I should be able to put it together this week or next weekend. That's kind of the time frame I'm hoping for. That's that's exciting news, Alex. Yeah. Um, I was going to... So I had a plan to give you a, your very own title upon completion of the theremin and call you Alex the Theraman Mildenberger, but it turns out Theraman is a brand of theremin. So we can't say it. Yeah, we can't really, uh, can't really steal that. Well, that's unfortunate. But how legit are they? Okay. They might be pretty legit. Um, but Alex, I thought we could, as part of our, our Thera moment this week, because we've got a little extra time, being that it's a Thera moment. Um, what are some other theremin puns you can, you can think of? <laughs> I got one to start us off here. Um, you know, a theremin player's favorite type of song to perform, a, a Thera minuet. Thera minuet. Hey, hey. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> what makes what? <laughs> what makes a theremin player like like really horny? It's 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 pheromones. Ther- <laughs> yeah. That's good because it also sounds like pheromones. Yeah. It also moans like that's a good one. Um, what do you, where do you, where do you put a, a busted up theremin? The therabin. Therabin. <laughs> um, I'll have to come up with another one. Uh. Oh, do I have it? Do I have another fresh one? Let me think here. What do you call a, a, a you know, a, like a theremin no-no? Like a theremin don't? That's a, that's a therasin. Therasin. Uh, what yeah. do you call a large omnivorous mammal playing a theremin? Uh huh. A a baramin. A baramin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of stretching with these. Um. So if you you were to build like an android and make its its um, there's no way to really get around this without saying the word in the. If you were to to give it uh, artificial hair that also played music, it would be a harriman. <laughs> Whoa! What if you turned a group of, <laughs> of <laughs> prostitutes into a a theremin? That's a harem in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I felt that one. That one felt that, that was one. a reach. <laughs> um. <laughs> That, if you guys got some theremin puns, hit us up. They're kind of fun. We might highlight those because we're going to run out of theremin, theremin moment, theremin moment, or theremin material as the theremin reaches completion. So, you know, feed us some puns. In the meantime, Alex, why don't we talk about The Edge of Glory by Lady Gaga? Yeah, that's what, that's what we're here for. Talk about um, some Gaga. Let's talk about this. came out the year we graduated high school. It did. I, I actually remember... Like, I was watching American Idol with my parents, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing Lady Gaga perform this. Along with um, Clemens Clemens. Or, you know, around when it was coming out. I don't know if it, I'm sure the single was out by then. I don't know the story. But I do remember, and I was like, oh, she's standing up on that, that edge, because she's kind of like up yeah, on blocks. Yeah, big artificial cliff kind yeah. of thing. And uh, she like plays a synthesizer and has a hat which she takes off and then she kind of makes out with a guy for a bit nice and uh then jumps off into uh, presumably some mats or something because she's still alive into glory yeah i guess so and uh i remember seeing that i don't remember much else about the song though or like i didn't 
it is listen to it a bunch now we'll talk about it because it's somehow it lives on in the popular consciousness and even i think it's a pretty good song but instrumentally it's kind of like besides the clarence clemens feature which even that is uh, some critic describes it as almost like a parody of clarence clemens saxophone solos like the song exists as almost a weird tribute to the 80s that despite not doing anything really exciting just kind of is good at providing dopamine yeah I think I know what you mean and we'll definitely touch on that in the we'll definitely touch section. on that um yeah this is Lady Gaga growing up um mixed feelings about her I kind of I'm on the side of liking her now but people compared her to David Bowie um pretty early on and that rubbed me the wrong way yeah i mean there was kind of uh, like a glam connection you know yeah when she and she did the like the uh aladdin sane inspired uh eye makeup on her first album true true and like i mean it's, she's always kind of tried to be like larger than life you know very extravagant yeah you know costuming and things like that which i mean i'm sure is you know, in some on some level, an expression by her of herself, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like kind of a gimmick. Like it's part of her identity, but that's still part of you know what what is selling the music. And oh yeah, even, for sure. Like it reminds me of um, like um, when we talked about the White Stripes, Jack White talking like, "Oh yeah, we put the red and white on." Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a gimmick. Like it sold our music. It was just like blues rock. Yeah, with but this, like, like striking, it looked visual. interesting. Yeah, and like that's p- just part of selling it. So there's that aspect too. And she's done a lot of different things, you know. So mm-hmm. um, she did like a, a like jazz album with Tony Bennett. I think two, two jazz albums with, albums Tony, with Tony Bennett. And you know, she we've talked about her before too. She did was it just a gigolo? Was it I just think? a gigolo? She did. A, uh, we might not have talked to. It was about it. It was a performance. She did a performance of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing a video. Okay. Um I don't know. I think it was I don't think it was on Spotify. But anyway, yeah. like we talked about her a bit and she's done a fair amount of different things. Um Yeah, also a and, successful actor. But I would say yes, generally an artist I like at, at least respect, if not like follow necessarily. Yeah. To the point that, like, I had a teacher who is kind of like Eastern European guy. This is in university teaching, like, electronic stuff. And he was talking about amplifiers and he was making a comment about how, like, singers today, like, need amplification as opposed to, like, old timey opera singers. Right. Who, and you know, kind just... of implying that singers weren't as good and said something about, like, you know, like, Lady Gaga would never, like, not have amplification. I'm like, you gotta go after a better target. Like, I think we all think Lady Gaga's actually pretty good at singing. Yeah, and uh, this song is actually a testament to that. Yeah. Because this is one of her, like, non-altered vocal tracks where she belts and (laughs) fucking does a great job. Yeah, she goes pretty hard. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, it's, that, the good old days were better argument for a lot of fields is, uh, you know, a, a tenuous argument. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a that's a weird one too because it's like amplification completely changed the way yeah. people sing. So it's just a completely different kind of singing. Did your teacher also have like a, a picture of Bob Dylan the first time he used an electric guitar and he was like, <laughs> yeah darts at it. <laughs> yeah, just had like a big axe painted over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking hate that guy. Um, we're gonna talk about 
this song, we're going to talk about these lyrics. So it was actually written by, written and produced by, it was written by three people, Lady Gaga, Fernando Garibay, and uh, DJ White Shadow. And then it was produced by Gaga and uh, Garibay. So that's the writing credits here. Let's talk about a song that was equally inspired by the death of her grandfather and her idol, the, the, the movie Rocky. And character Rocky, <laughs> Rocky Balboa. <laughs> right, because, um, I mean, you had yeah. the quote. She, the song is kind of inspired by, like, seeing the death of her grandfather or seeing, you know, the process of her grandfather mm-hmm. dying. And her sort of trying to think about how that, the experience of, like, love over 60 years, basically. Yeah would be interpreted by someone on their deathbed, which is interesting, but it's also like a very specific thing. Like mm-hmm. we've talked in the past about um, songs trying to take something very personal and turn it into something very universal. So that's kind of the path this one takes is like, it takes that very specific thing and turns into more of like a straight love song. But I think the idea is still kind of there. Yeah. Slash a like love of, life slash living dangerously yeah i guess not just straight love song but it's a love kind of situation uh, yeah it definitely puts love up front the first yeah. line is there ain't no reason for you and me to be alone tonight yeah baby tonight before we get into that though i do want to read this quote sure. where she says the song is about looking life in the eye and when you die saying i won i'm a champion like rocky sprinting to the top of the staircase <laughs> Uh, she goes on to say, Rocky is my favorite movie. I love Rocky 3 because he gets his ass kicked in the first round and comes back. And she goes on in a different quote to say, Rocky is the ideal man. I never wanted to be the rock star. I wanted to be the girlfriend. I never wanted to be Rocky. I wanted to be Adrian. Um, so just funny to me that Lady Gaga is a huge Rocky fan. Yeah, it's it's a little odd. But I mean, it's it, I have not seen Rocky, I'll admit. But I think... It's a, it's kind of like Rambo in that like the first one was like more of like it kind of got silly after the first one. Oh yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it's one that it's a weird series. So this is not our. We we could talk a lot about Rocky, even though neither you or I have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to enough media about Rocky to to like navigate those waters comfortably. It's, yeah, it's just such a ubiquitous thing. I don't even know. Yeah. how I've seen it. But yeah, so she's connecting to the the sort of champion feeling that her grandfather seemed to give off at the end and also the championship of Rocky running up the stairs which of course in the second Rocky movie I believe he runs up the stairs and also there's like a fucking gaggle of like children and people with him running up the stairs so you want to talk about <laughs> universal triumph like yeah yeah man of the people exactly so verse one there ain't no reason you and me should be alone tonight yeah baby tonight yeah baby but I got a reason that you who should take me mm-hmm. home tonight <laughs> you who um, yeah, that's about as straightforward, generic love song as it gets, isn't it? Yeah, the, like, we're kind of just meeting, maybe. Not necessarily, but it kind of gives that impression, like, you're at a party. Yeah. It's, do you get that you're, as well? You're, you're out. That you're out at the very least. Yeah. And they do mention shots in the, uh, the second verse, so yeah, they I do? think a party or a bar but like a lively bar, not like a fucking pub with a bunch of old dudes <laughs> chilling, shooting the shit. Um, yeah, it has that sort of party feeling. And uh, But there's, like we've talked about attitude with quite a few songs in this past month here, Uptown Funk, Old Town Road. 
even feel it still to yeah like all of those are like real attitude songs and that i think applies to here too it's not like hey maybe we should get together it is like there is no reason that you and me should you know be alone tonight we should be getting together and living life to the fullest it's confident it's plucky plucky yeah if i said that about lady gaga plucky yeah, she's a plucky girl, that one. Um, she says, I need a man that thinks it's right when it's so wrong. Tonight, yeah, baby. Tonight, yeah, baby. Right on the limits where we know we both belong tonight. Yeah, talking about pushing the envelope and not necessarily, um, I guess, following what society would consider society? acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Which no, is, yeah, right. kind of part of her identity. Um, although mm-hmm. taken on its own, I, I need a man that thinks it's right when it's so wrong. Um, without any context, doesn't sound great. But I uh, don't, yeah, doesn't seem to be the intention in this. Yeah, like song. the real. I mean, it all comes down to the word "the edge," <laughs> and that's. But she's she talks about here is sort of living right on that that precipice between life and death, so living dangerously. And yeah. yeah, so you know, you need somebody who is a bad boy. A bad boy is somebody who feels it's right when it's so wrong. Yeah, or, or to go I guess far. I guess not necessarily death, but like danger or the end of something. You know, death mm-hmm. often just kind of represents something ending. Yes. So it's it's a momentary thing, but that doesn't make it less meaningful. Yeah, and she will make references both. Of course, she should make the explicit reference to the edge of glory. Mm-hmm. And she makes references to brushing danger, and then um, even the mention of shots itself is sort of a call out to gunshots as well as, you know, shots of liquor. It's it's all about yeah that living dangerously. Dangerous. Yeah, and yeah, we kiss the other side. That's death. Like yeah, so there's a lot of like that. We're really focusing in microscopically on what the edge is. So it is danger. And but it is it's touching both life and death in that spot, which takes us to the pre-chorus, Alex. Mm-hmm. It's hot to feel the rush to brush the dangerous. I'm gonna run right to the uh, to the edge with you, where we both where we can both fall far in love. There's the love and the, and the falling off of the edge. So the, the falling, it's, yeah. The risk of of the edge is what makes it appealing, right? And here the falling is actually portrayed as a good thing where it's falling in love. It's a I twist. mean, yeah, like I said in that performance, she like jumps off the edge at the end, so Yeah. In some in some level you kinda have to accept going over the edge. Exactly. You you yeah, you can't keep your feet on the ground forever, right? They they call some things, you know, taking a risk, taking the plunge sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's present here to brush the dangerous, so you're not fully embracing it, but you're you know, a brush with danger. You're touching it. You know when you're younger and you dare somebody to go touch a weird thing? That's like that. <laughs> <laughs> or like or like lick something weird. Like a wall like or a, a plant. Wall. Yeah, fucking lick that wall or plant. It's like, okay, now we're living dangerously. <laughs> oh. Could be streptococcus on that plant. Could be for all we know. Um, but I tell you what, we can both far, far, fall far in love, and that takes us to the chorus. We're on the edge of glory, and I'm hanging on a moment of truth. Out on the edge of glory, and I'm hanging on a moment with you. I'm on the edge, the edge, the edge, the edge, the edge, the edge, the edge. I'm on the edge of glory, and I'm hanging on a moment with you. I'm on the edge with you. Yeah, so I think what she's trying to say is that she's on the edge. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Not very clear at first, but you take another look at it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like this, talking about hanging on to something, like an experience, mm-hmm. and like it, like referring to some experience as a moment, and we already talked about kind of like the party mindset of like, you know, tonight is the special night where everything is going to be um, special generally, and you to hold on to that and try not to to lose it. Yeah. Because it's it feels a, perhaps profound. Sort of an interesting contradiction of like mindfulness, you know, hanging on to the current moment. But if you're clinging to the current moment, are you being mindful or are you, you know, fixating on something? It's it's a bit odd. Yeah, how can you move on to the next thing if you're fixating on the current moment? A, but a that's moment maybe part of moving. the edge. That's maybe it, yeah, is the edge is something that you can't you gotta just be on it. The Edge is also the guitar player in U2. Yeah, Alex, we got to get uh, into this right now. Yeah, the Edge, the Edge, the Edge, the Edge, the Edge, the, the Edge, edge, the edge. The edge. Um, It's not that profound, but a couple years back, I saw a video, basically. Um, and it's Bruce Springsteen inducting U2 into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or doing a speech at the induction ceremony. It's from 2005, and uh, the video I was watching, the timestamp is about... 435 and he's just talking about the band and when he talks about the edge he says the edge the edge the edge the edge like four times in a row and i just i don't know is there a connection i don't know but all i know is that this song where she's lady gaga says the edge several times in repetition is notably springsteen inspired and there's a time before this song came out, where Bruce Springsteen said the edge repeatedly. I don't know. It's Maybe been, there's well, something there. You're <laughs> on to something saying. here, Alex, because the melody is inspired by Bruce Springsteen. Even the lyrics themselves are a kind of Gaga-filtered version of, you know, kind of a Born to Run or even Because the Night, this like, you know, this pulsing urge to be free and to to break free of something or to live, you know, in the moment. It has a very sprucing vibe behind it, and it has Clarence Clemens on the track. Yeah, <laughs> this is a pretty, pretty close uh, connection there. Yeah, so your theory on, on one side sounds nuts, but at the same time... It's like, like <laughs> a, you know, there's a lot of things. Is there's it a coincidence? A Probably. But what if Probably. it wasn't? What if it wasn't? All we're saying... What if it wasn't? Then, like, maybe she's, like, it's possible Lady Gaga has talked about this in interviews. I wouldn't even know how to search for it. I feel like it would have come up. I feel right, like that's trivia, would, right? That's trivia. Somebody would have Wikipedia noted that and been like, Gaga took the chorus from the, <laughs> the induction of U2 in 2005. Like, it would have come up. Yeah, so I don't know why she would have seen it. I mean, I didn't see it until a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But she was in she, 2005. She wasn't quite in the music industry yet, but she was an up and coming. True, but you know, she, she would have been. She would have been like alive, you know. Yeah. Like potentially would have watched this, but I mean, it's definitely. <laughs> I was watching it. It is definitely 2005. He also like references democracy in Iraq. Like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, um, interesting. Talks about starting up a podcast with Obama before anybody knew who that was. Yeah. I met this guy from Hawaii. Wait, 2005. Uh, did Obama start president in 2004? Oh, uh, 08 was his oh, first term. Oh, okay, that's right, because in 2016, Trump wins the election, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you're right. Yeah, you talk- <laughs> talked about uh, starting a podcast with then-unknown politician Barack Obama in 2005. He also said, the technology's not there yet. 
<laughs> Make it happen. Um, yeah, I love that theory. I think that's great. Um, yeah, the rest of this is about living in the moment with a person and, again, like, living dangerously, living on the edge. Living on the edge is a different song, but... But it is a song. Yeah, it's about being vulnerable and being active, and uh, Clarence Clemens thinks the song's about growing up. And look where that got him. Ooh, growing up. Yeah. I don't even think he plays on that song. No, probably not. I don't know. Um, we got some more lyrics, though. We do, Alex. We got verse two to get into. Uh, another shot before we kiss the other side. Tonight, yeah. I'm going to try that again. No, I'm not. Nope. Tonight, yeah, baby. Tonight, yeah, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the edge of something final we call life. Tonight. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, uh, all right. Put on your shades, because I'll be dancing in the flames. Tonight, yeah, baby. Tonight, yeah, baby. It isn't hell if everybody knows my name tonight. All, all right. right. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I actually had that thought when I was listening to it. She's talking about dancing through the flames. I'm like, ah, she's going to hell. And then she says it isn't hell. She's like, it's not hell. (laughs) You got me, Gaga. (laughs) Saw right through me. She led you right down the road and played you like a fiddle, Alex. Yeah, but I guess that's kind of like subverting that in a way. Because she's talking about the flames. Well, the flames are a good thing, you know? Even though they would often, especially if you're talking about death and you're talking about flames, you know, often. Yeah, um, I'm not even sure if the flames are good so much as it's fine because... It's just kind of part of the moment. Yeah, and it's going to make her a legend. It isn't hell if everybody knows my name tonight, and it's a legend. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Like, it's worth it. Yeah. If it, so it's a, it's like not even about like establishing the legacy as the flame dancer. It's just like tonight everybody's <laughs> gonna remember me. The flame dancer, Gaga. <laughs> it actually sounds like I've been playing Dark Souls. It kind of sounds like a Dark Souls boss, flame dancer, Gaga. Yeah, that would <laughs> I would totally expect to see that in Dark Souls. But yeah, you get death and hell imagery in this quite blatantly. Yeah. Another shot before we kiss the other side. Yep. Also, booze reference. Take a shot. Yep. Tonight, yeah, baby. I'm on the edge of something final, like death. But we call life tonight, because life, this is our last dance to reference another song. You only get the one shot. So it is final. And then you're over the edge. And who knows what happens after that? And then, of course, put on your shades, because not only is she dancing the flames, but flames are bright. And brightness is. And you want to look cool because everyone has to know your name. I also got new sunglasses this week, so. Shit, Alex. It's packaged. Are they the same as the old sunglasses? Uh, No, they're not. I didn't replace. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't replace my old, old sunglasses, but now I did. Anyway. Okay. Tonight, yeah, but yeah, so that's one. That one. It's It's again, similar concept living in the moment, doing dangerous things. Because it's life's final, baby. You just go out there and get it. And that's really the lyrics, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mostly just a saxophone solo. Mostly just a saxophone solo after that. Um, but yeah, that's it. It really is a call to, to live and love dangerously. The Edge of Glory. Anything else to say before we jump into this composition, Alex? No, I think it's I think that covers it. Yeah. So I looked at the personnel for this song, and there was there's five people credited as assistant. To like di- 
different people or does just, it just say? general assistant it says just helping out just helping out um but yeah you got uh you got some guitars on this you got some keyboards some drum programming, some saxophony. Now, Clarence Clemens says he plays sax throughout the entire song. I don't really hear him until the solo kicks in. No, I definitely don't. Um, and I after you said that from the quote, I like was listening to it. I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't hear it. I don't hear it. Um, I only hear saxophone during the solo, and then like it comes back afterwards for a bit. But yeah, that's all I. That's all I hear. But there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, another potential Springsteen influence. I mean, I know that's a big part of like Born to Run specifically is the kind of wall of sound mm. thing he was going for. Um, and that seems to be present here. Uh, that that might just be part of the like 2011 production. I, I don't really know be. it that well. You know, it's called electro rock and disco. Yeah, on, on <laughs> Wikipedia. So uh, those I don't know a whole lot about. Fair, but yeah, like a lot of this is like big dumb hits for for dopamine. Like it's four on the floor drums, and then big it is, So it is yeah. a layering of those sounds, I think, to produce that like sort of like I call it an urgency that's present in both like Born to Run and this. That like yeah. we are young, the time is now. Let's get the fuck out of New Jersey and let's dance or let's do shots or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, it definitely has that like very heavy pulse. One thing I noticed about it or kind of thought about it, it doesn't necessarily have like really, really big, exciting moments. Mm-hmm. That like it has some kind of, but I, I felt like it's more like a thing you can kind of get lost in. Mm-hmm. Because the sound there's so much sound happening. So, and yeah. between that and the pulse, you can just kind of like almost, it's like almost like meditative party music. Yeah, <laughs> like it's meditative, like, but you're also partying. The most exciting moments are arguably when the music drops and then it cuts in with Gaga going, I'm on the edge. Like at the start of the chorus and then at the end too, where they drop, she goes, I'm on the edge with you. Like those are your big hits. Yeah, That's but the, like, the I mean, compared to moments. some, you know, pop songs we talked about, even recently, where they like really hit right at the start, you know, you get a huge build into the chorus. Mm-hmm. I feel like this doesn't do that quite as much. Yeah, this builds like a Final Fantasy boss theme. <laughs> <laughs> you start out with like a weird, almost operatic element. And then in Final Fantasy, it would go to like hard rock slash heavy metal. This right. goes to your electro pop slash disco. You mean like right at the beginning when it does like, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. It actually starts like the first thing is like, I mean, it's the a pulsing rumble. drums, but it sounds yeah. like a heartbeat. Yeah. Kind boom, of. Boom, boom. It's very low. And then, yeah. And then that like vo- voice pad thing. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and then just a lot of those like synth patterns. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of synth. Yeah, ton of synth in this. Uh, let's see. Did I write? I wrote. There was. It's kind of like a delayed, delayed sounding synthesizer. Um, at that part. Yeah. Yeah. There's that kind of like bubbling And then got like the more pulsing one. That yeah, and lots of stuff like big polysynth that plays those like huge chords. Hmm. Um, and yeah, the one I think you just mentioned, it's very like hollow sounding. Like, 
going yeah, around. Yeah, like kind of really low in the mix. You yeah. can feel it moving sort of left to right and has that sort of hollow sound to it. Yeah, kind of like I would say FM-y, but it also has like, it sounds like a bell, but like a like also a xylophone kind of. Like it's me- metal, but also wood. Right, yeah. To me, anyway. It's, yeah, or maybe it's just like a muted bell. Maybe that that's what that is. sweet spot of mimicking, yeah. but also being totally Yeah, synthetic. like combining things that shouldn't be able to combine because that synthesizer can do that. Mm-hmm. Which I guess uh, also yeah. plays into that wall of sound aesthetic where you're not supposed to be able to grab the origin of any one instrument. Yeah, everything blends together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit odd. Like, the drums kind of pick up. Like they're this pulse, and then they go to this like boots and cats thing almost. Yeah, we hit the pre-chorus and cats, boots, cats. And then that kind of drops out again for a while, and I think it comes back in at the end, but like not for a while. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was a bit weird, I wasn't totally behind. There's like a like a transition kind of solo section uh, after the chorus. It's you know so bad, about? dude. It sounds, it reminds me spiritually of the Tiffany uh, synth solo from, uh, from I Think, uh, we're, I alone think we're Alone Now. now. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I'm not a huge fan of that, the way that synth sounds or what it plays. It sounds like section. garbage, dude. It <laughs> sounds compared to everything else it feels like out of place yeah everything else is like is polished right yeah but and then that comes in it's like like, who let a child come in and play this in (laughs) yeah it it's uh not my favorite part of this song um no it is easily the worst part like that is a 20 year old sounding synth in, in yeah, and I guess it's supposed to be a bit of an line. '80s throwback too, right? But mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird there. But yeah, um, the '80s it's throwing back to is like Bruce Springsteen and like probably Michael Jackson, and like that type of synth doesn't really appear in either of those. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that much about like the broader Michael Jackson uh, catalog. Yeah, think in the of 80s. the hits though. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's weird and out of place, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it doesn't this, last very long. That's that's it's it's one yeah. thing. Like it, at least it gets the fuck out. <laughs> and then it just goes back into the verse. Like, okay, we're back. We get yeah, yeah, we're back into our textures and And of course the second verse is, has carried the energy from the chorus, so it's it's much bigger than the first yeah, verse. Yeah, bigger drums. Um but even like kind of same sense they kind of filters them and then opens them up as it goes Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty pretty common move yeah um oh yeah and then here it's in this pre-chorus where the drums i think cut down again okay um so it's just the pulse although it's pretty similar but it almost feels like a breakdown like it stays relatively even but it has a bit of a breakdown feel just because like basically like there's a hi-hat missing or like a snare maybe yeah we're missing that kind of big clang i wonder if that's like a trick you can do because we the audience even if we've just heard this for the first time once she hits that second pre-chorus we know where we're going to the big energetic chorus yeah so she doesn't need to like guide us so clearly along that path it's almost like a kind of like a tease, like a, a little bit of restraint. It's like, well, I know what I'm expecting, but the the music's not building up there in quite the same way. Like, is it going to happen? So there's a little maybe a little tension psych on out. the listeners' part. Yeah, you're like, which well, I guess is kind of 
like how your breakdown works more or less mm-hmm. you know you take a lot of instruments out and it's like oh where'd they go but we're just you know doing it so we can build up again and do a really exciting thing yeah so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting because we don't usually see that in a lot of pre-choruses usually or it's the just the same ramp pre-chorus yeah yeah especially the second one usually that's the bigger one if anything different. yeah which it kind of is but kind of isn't yeah it, it plays but on anticipation then it plays on rather full-on instruments in there it makes us do the work mm-hmm. um and then second like, chorus same as the first yeah i i mean i guess should mention her her vocals we mentioned them a little bit earlier she does have like a pretty good edge when she sings about being on the edge you know? yeah that shows us some of those chops in like uh tone mm-hmm. for sure and like she does get uh, an echo placed on her vocals for a lot of the oh song yeah i forgot verses. to mention the echo it's kind of weird echo. yeah it's a very long echo mm-hmm. and there's a lot of echoes and it follows so closely to her vocals so like the echo's long and it starts up up like a millisecond after she goes so it's a really weird space that it creates but yeah she's singing that which i think masks what is otherwise a clean vocal track and really shows off that she's not just the poker face poker face she's got chops right she sang uh the national the american national anthem that one time yeah and we love it when people sing the american national anthem that would be a fun cover me episode to do that might actually be interesting. Although I think would... we already know what the best one is. <laughs> is it uh... the Whitney Houston one? Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I haven't compared them, but Maybe anyway, we should compete in that round. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll do our one own together. Covers. But uh, I think the next big thing to talk about here is Clarence Clements on the track. Oh yeah, because I mean that's what's next: the solo, or more or less solo. Yeah, kind of, it kind of has a little. Another transition, which works a little better than the last one. Yes. Uh, kind of, it is like, bah, bah, bah. it sounds like strings, you know? Yeah, the, the synth strings that are present in the chorus take us into this next section. Of just Clarence Clemens doing a solo. And I mean, it's Clarence Clemens doing a solo. He's Clarence Clemens. If you know what that means, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, if you, listen, if you know, you know. If you know, you know, man. Um, I mean, in terms of saxophone players, I got to say, I really like his tone. The way yeah. he sounds. Like, to me, it's like the ideal, especially for, you know, rock and pop, uh, uh, saxophone tone, you know? Which I've, I've said before, the saxophone's like smooth but tortured. Yes. And to me, that just like adds a lot of like flavor, especially to rock and roll music oh it's used properly yeah if you use it right it's a dangerous tool because it can be too powerful but if there's anyone who knows how to balance that out and balance that smoothness versus torture that is present in the tone that's that's the big man himself like yeah and this is such a good this this cuts through the track so smoothly like it's not what you expect coming into a lady gaga song and then you hear it go off and you're like oh, this is cool, and the synth kind of comes around it and does these little, you eventually get this descending arpeggio, this which itself sounds like it could be from a Mario RPG game. It's got a bit of that like spacey star vibe to it. But yeah, it's just like, it's such a strange and perfect addition to this. Yeah, and I mean, I remember 10 years ago, 
I was was probably right around the time I was sort of first listening to a lot of Springsteen. Mm-hmm. And like I kind of, I don't know if I necessarily knew who Clarence Clemens was, but I kind of knew the saxophone sound. And I saw this, like I said before, on mm-hmm. on TV and then like it hit the saxophone solo and I was like, oh, hey, this is kind of familiar. Yeah. And in that uh, American Idol performance, that is also Clarence Clemens. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have recognized him at the time. No, of for course sure. not. I wouldn't have recognized him until this week, like visually. <laughs> I recognize his shoulder and arm from Born to Run. Cover, right, from the cover of Born to Run. I I watched some like old live videos oh, yeah. a couple months back. But he's a big man. There's a reason they call him the big man. The big man, because he is large. He's huge. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's doing his saxophone solo. It's great. Because he sounds cool. Sounds... Yeah. Like Clarence Clemens doing a saxophone. Uh, yeah, solo. so they, they just they literally got him into the studio and they're like, just play whatever you want. So he did that. And then, yeah. <laughs> and this is what's on the track. Yeah, and like that whole solo section, like they keep playing, they're like, I'm on the edge with you. Yeah. So there's still other stuff, and there's like synth chords and Yeah, like we do get also, actually a break from the sax. Yeah. And then it comes back. Yeah, and sort of more modulated synth for a while there and then like there's almost choral section so there's stuff happening as much as it's like a synth solo there's like mm-hmm. sections to it you know and he's yeah, just kind of yeah. going the whole time for how consistent like the the rest of the song is in the outro we do actually like get a lot of different movements going on yeah yeah just like different stuff and like sounds we've probably heard before but they mm-hmm. sort of have their moment rearranged yeah put to the front put to the back you know moved around that said, there's a guitar that comes in, like a distorted guitar. Yeah. Near the end of the solo, and then it keeps playing into the like outro section, mm-hmm. which I have um, distinguished between. Um, and it's uh, it's another it's another texture, another it's layer. It's present. Right? Yeah. It's it's really it's just texture. There's not a lot of uh, emphasis put on it. It's not meant to drag attention anywhere. Yeah, just kind of adds some intensity. And it doesn't do that much, mo- mostly chords. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's playing there. And then it sort of brings the drums back in. Yeah. Um, and I, I did, I'd say the outro was probably, I mean, as much as I, like, the parts where Clarence Clemens comes back in the outro, and then it's like, she's singing, there's other stuff going on, the sax is still playing. You know, it's, that's like the bringing everything in the song together, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great ending. You get all the elements in, and it's like, oh fuck yeah, Lady Gaga's here. We got the saxophone going. The good synth parts are still around. Like, mm-hmm. it's good. It's a great finish. Yeah, and then which it fades is, out on sax. It does. It fades out on sax, and then there's kind of like the various synthesizers sort of like do their like buzz down thing. And yeah, everything. it's almost like turning everything off as the saxophone just sort of plays them out. And that's how you write a hit song called The Edge of Glory. Yeah. It's um, it's also, like, it's fairly long. Yeah, it's five and a half minutes. Five, 521. I'm seeing 520, 521. Yeah. Depending on which timestamp I look at. Um, and I think most of the reason it's so long is because they're like, let's do a saxophone solo for like a minute. Yeah, I wonder, because there's got to be a radio cut of this, right? That cuts there out probably the be. tail end of that. Uh, got to cut it down to 305, out. right? Yeah, you got to cut it down to 305 somehow. And uh, I don't, I, yeah, I didn't look it up. And I refuse to, in fact. But um, I know it was on the radio. 
did you, Alex, look up the music video? I did look up the music video. Uh, interesting backstory on this one. So it was going to be like a huge production. She, there was like interviews where she's like, you just fucking wait till you see what we got in mind <laughs> for the edge of glory here. It's going to rock your fucking socks off. And then, so they brought on Joseph Kahn. Yes, Joseph Kahn, music video director. And Kahn and Gaga were going to co-direct it. But then I guess there was some some differences of ideas, some opinions of what direction to take it in. So Joseph Kahn was taken off the project. Kahn, K-O-N? K-A-H-N. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm looking at something different. K-O-N is short for confidence man. Um, <laughs> that's how he was taken off. He was just ripping them off. Yeah. So then Gaga brought in her own production team, House of Gaga. Like House spelt H-A-U-S, if you're curious of course. there. House of Gaga. She was also recently in the film House of Gucci. But it's not spelled like that. Not spelled like that. What? What is this? Uh, the real estate agent? Come on, Lady Gaga. Come on. Have, have a little consistency, Gaga. Jesus. Um, but yeah, so she co-directed this with her production team, and it is uh, it's really just her dancing in front of like a dark brownstone New York set. Yep. With Clarence Clemens sitting on a stoop. Yeah, he sits and like pretends to play saxophone for a while, unless there is saxophone, I just don't hear it. Because he did say there's saxophone the whole thing, and yeah, I don't hear it. Uh, and then he actually plays a little later. Then he plays, yeah. Um, I will say the like opening visual of just the street with like the pink mist and it's kind of yeah. blue. I thought that was very striking. Striking and also a very um, clear Cotton reference candy. to uh, Billy Jean. Oh, yeah, I guess so. That that corner and like it's just missing a person in all white and some light up squares. But uh, that's, and that's what a lot of people, um, a lot of critics said. They're like, oh, yeah, there's clear references to, I think, some Madonna music video and also Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. And also, to, some people brought up Blade Runner, uh, saying her makeup and kind of hair looks like the, the female replicant character in that film. Yeah, fair enough. I could see that. It's, I mean, obviously not exactly the same, but I think it's a similar shape. Yeah. I haven't seen Blade Runner in a while. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, what else? Uh, there's really kind of three, two to three, depending on how you look at it, like different, I guess, scenes it, it kind of right. switches between. There's her on a fire escape. She comes yep. out of a window and then starts to kind of dance on a fire escape. That's right. That's basically the next shot after we establish that it's yeah. New York, baby. And then there's another part where she's like in a street. There's kind of two potentially, either two different street scenes or two different angles from the same street. It's a little unclear. Right, because there's her walking towards us and lip syncing, and yeah. then there's her walking away from us. Yeah, and then sometimes she's like on the street with Clarence, and yeah, it's sort of a side-on shot. On and sometimes it's, yeah, her walking towards and away from the camera. So those are both kind of on the street. I'm not sure if it's the same street, but... I think it... Similar idea. Kind of different camera angles. So those are really like the three shots it goes between. Yeah, she's got a little hat on her, I just noticed, when she's sitting on the stoop. Oh, she's got a little beret. <laughs> but just in those shots. And when she's on the uh, fire escape, she's wearing like a little jacket for a while. And some, yeah. sunnies, some sunglasses. She does have big sunglasses. And also like, how would you describe her outfit? Um, heavily studded, heavily studded, like leather. Yeah, leather studded. Um, 
I don't know. I wouldn't go as far as saying lingerie. And no, it is. But um, there's definitely fishnets involved. Definitely fishnets involved. Or is it horny? Absolutely. The question is, is the outfit horny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I were to, I'm trying to think of like a famous character I could pinpoint it towards to, to give you the, my idea of it, but no, nothing's coming to mind here. Mm. Um, kind of like, kind of Mad Max ass, like clean Mad Max. Clean Mad Max. <laughs> like it's a skimpy Bruno Bucciarati. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of. She's got the Bruno Bucciarati here. In, minus the yeah. weird, like, like stamps on her head or whatever. <laughs> Um, I mean, it really is just BDSM, I guess. Like, rhinestone BDSM. So. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to rhinestones. That's for sure. Um, and yeah, she, like, dances dancing and, in, a, in a variety of like places. It's not, like, super choreographed, but there are parts where it's, like, more choreographed. Yeah. Or it seems more choreographed. It goes between that kind of, like, freer, like, modern dance. Yeah, and her just kind of, like, swinging around to some things that seem to be deliberate call-outs, maybe, to other dance routines that yeah, I, I, I can't so. pinpoint but maybe that I wouldn't know about I wouldn't know but wouldn't surprise me and uh yeah and then sometimes it'll be like yeah more of a choreographed thing in fact that synth transition that is not great kind of has that too and it also feels out of place in the music video yeah uh so cool um what else oh she kisses the ground at the end she kisses the ground which if that was really New York whew, you would oh. not want to do that <laughs> Um, but yeah, I want, I'm trying to figure out if this makes sense. So if you're used to being on the edge and then suddenly you're on solid ground and there was no longer danger, would you be like, ah, oh, kiss the ground. So happy to see the Oh ground. yeah. That's kind of like a, a trope in films and stuff where somebody yeah. does something dangerous. You jump off the boat and start kissing the ground or like you're in a, in danger on an airplane or something. Yeah. And once you're going like, oh my God, we, we made it. I love the earth. I'm never, yeah. I'm never leaving solid ground again. Mostly cartoons. Again. It's Don't mostly have to cartoons, kiss the actual ground. But yeah, that's a pretty, that's a classic. That's a classic, Alex. So yeah, she dances around, and then once she's done dancing, she, <laughs> she crawls back into her window. Yep. This video is, like, mids. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's truly... Yeah, there's some cool, like, coloring. I do like a lot. I mean, it's a lot of pinks and blues, right? It's kind of yeah. like the, dre- the drabness of the... Um, like street set but then the lights are very bright and it's pinks and blues and white yeah, your basically. bisexual lighting yeah so pretty cool color scheme yeah um, cool to see clarence clemens there dressed up like a cool fucking stoop sitting guy yeah just like sitting playing a saxophone and yeah, like wearing a like he's gonna hunt dracula <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks like he's gonna hunt dracula which i mean might be lady gaga in this maybe that's the story yeah but he's taking a nap on shift and she's like chills with him <laughs> I mean, sometimes you got to clock out, right? You know? Yeah. And you can't be on the job all the time. Out. This was his final performance, or like the final video he was in. It was released, I think, the day he died. <sighs> but that's the music video, Alex. Well, let's talk about some covers. Yeah, let's talk about some covers. Starting with Foster the People in 2011. Yeah, I couldn't find much of a story about this one. No, so it's from like an official remix album, so there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of different people on the track, but of course, what we're confused by is the indie pop band behind Pumped Up Kicks 
is somehow behind the um, remix of this. Yeah, like is, this, a, this EDM very remix. electronic and like, I would say dubstep inspired remix. Yeah, it definitely pulls some moves from there. So my understanding, and this is kind of based on some loose clippings from the Wikipedia article and from our, our Pumped Up Kicks episode. Check that out. Um, if you'll recall, Mark Foster actually basically did Pumped Up Kicks entirely by himself. Right. Because it ended up being his demo track he used, and I think he did the production behind it as well. So he yeah. has production experience. Um, he later started a uh, an, an electronic music project with one of the guys who also became part of Foster the People. So he also has that realm of like EDM experience. So I imagine this is so Mark he's just Foster. like also a DJ. Yeah, he has that experience under his belt, producer. and I think this is an extension of that of him as a DJ slash producer. So I'm I'm assuming it's Foster the People really just means Mark Foster put together a remix here. Which is, like you kind of mentioned, equal parts EDM styles of the time, dubstep, and also kind of like stuff you'd expect from a Foster the People album. Like, uh, what do you mean with, by that? Uh, well, it opens with this, what I can only describe as like electronic pixie chatter. <laughs> That's that sort true, of like it's got a bit of that. Yeah, I, I don't know what the name for I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, but you're you're familiar with the phenomenon. Yeah, I mean I'm listening to it right now. Yeah, but, and but generally, yes. <laughs> generally, yeah. And so I think that's kind of a, a foster. I listened to a few Foster People albums. I like their their first one, the one with uh pumped up kicks on it. That's a good album. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get in the other ones. It's not uh it's not hooking as clearly for me, but yeah, he does some of this sort of like bright electronic poppy stuff. And so that kind of plays in at the start. And more so in the outro as well, I think, where he finds some repeated lines and just kind of hooks some music behind it and lets that ride out. Yeah, there's some piano sounds in there, too. This is going to fade into piano right at the end. Um, what else? There's a lot of, like, really harsh synthesizer sounds, which is kind of where I think the dubstep inspiration comes in that. Like, they're really, like, kind of... Yeah, that, like, really grinding one at the bottom. Yeah. And, um... And then the the like building and and dropping happens a couple times. Yeah, that uh, probably the first the build chorus. we get is like your classic like. There's a dance club that's far away. Oh, it's building intensity, and we open the doors. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So it's a lot of that. Um, and it's that yeah that kind of sound. So it's. It's that kind yeah. of a remix, man. That's kind of this... a remix. Boots and Cats emphasized here, like it's present in the original, but here it is like, boom, here's yeah, like the fucking more. Boots and Cats. Yeah, more synth focus. They also cut out the pre-choruses um, entirely. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, that's like the build now. So instead of building the pre-chorus, it's a... Yeah, and that, that rising thin- synth is another kind of grating, buzzy sort of noise. Yeah, and then there's like that high... High sound. There's a lot of synth sounds, but like the yeah. kind of what you kind of like, like you, you adjust the frequency, the pitch. Yeah, that you one. You shift the pitch in weird ways. Um, all that kind of stuff. And there's a repeated vocal line in that section. It kind of sounds like she's saying ass, kick your ass. Uh, which part is that? <laughs> so if you go to like 110, maybe. Just when you start to get that rising synth. Yeah, it kind of does. But it's like very processed. It sounds like yeah. just, I don't know. Like it's just a cat stuck in the tape 
spool. Yeah. Something. Something like that. Uh. Yeah. So, and that also is kind of like pitch shifted up. So it has those kinds of sounds too. Yeah. Pitch shift up or down or whatever. Um. We'll also, the chorus. We get to the chorus after that part, and this is like maybe more of your dubstep sensibility, where instead of going up to like a big treble thing the the instrumentals actually kind of go down and muck around in the bass section it's a boom dum 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 yeah so that's that's kind of stuff it does yeah what? that's the kind of stuff it does there's um, also then, i mean mm-hmm. while we're pointing out since because uh um, that's that's mostly that's pretty what this much is. what we've been doing <laughs> uh there's a whole like solo section that's very like video game sounds very like chip tunes yes yes um, and I, I feel like it sounds like something, but I just can't put my finger on what. For the like, almost like I don't know Tetris, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of repeated lines like "Edge with you, Edge with you." Edge oh, that's with what you. she's saying. Yeah, Edge with you, Edge with you. Oh, uh, that makes um, sense. And yeah, some other there's like Belle Celeste. Or Celeste type sounds. Yeah, that's that's kind of. I'm having trouble describing it without just like explaining things. Yeah, it's uh, talking tough, about it without describing like, it. So you get a lot of dubstepy stuff in the first half, and a lot of these moves we've talked about. Yeah, and then kind of at the halfway point, we kind of just let Synthland lay out as we play with little different bits of crunchy synth. We get that edge with you repeated clip. Um, it switches to something else later on, I think. Yeah, I'm on out the on edge. the edge. Yeah, switch it. I don't know, out on the edge. Yeah, and that's a little more sing-songy than the edge with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we that's that's really where we just kind of settle into some some loops. Yeah, it gets very loopy and and synth. I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking like, I think this. I don't know how I would dance to this. I suppose someone probably would, but it would be a bit tricky, perhaps. I don't know why. Well, with because the four on the floor, like four you, on the I floor just, so like, you could do any dancing, probably. To that, yeah. But, and just, um, yeah, one arm in the air. You know, the classic dude dance. Yeah. <laughs> one arm in the air. Sway back and forth a little bit. Sway back You're golden, man. Yeah, I am feeling the music. Dance close to someone you know. Pretend like you're somehow influencing each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the ticket. And so we, we bookend it with that electronic pixie chatter stuff again and, and kind of fade out. It's a weird one. It's not what I expect from a collaboration of Foster the People <laughs> yeah, and when Lady it's, Gaga. Yeah, when it's credited to Lady Gaga and Foster the People. This is not what I expected at all. No. But 2011 was a different time. 2011 was a different we time. We fucking loved dubstep. God, did we ever. We were all just huffing dubstep and learning how to whip your hair back and forth was that 2011 <laughs> i don't think you're no, so far so. off honestly hey you know what else wasn't far off from this cover walk off the earth's cover in 2012 we talked about these guys last week, Alex. Oh, Whip My Hair was 2010. Wow. Sheesh. Hey, not bad. Um, we did. We just talked about them. Is this the third week in a row we're talking about them? Or am did I making that up? No, I think it's no, just two it's weeks. Just second. Okay. Yeah, it's the second week. Um, so they're the little quirky pop group from Hamilton, Ontario. Yep. 
um, doing their same quirky pop thing here with a with a country twang to it, kind of. Yeah, it's definitely got some some country. It's also um, a collaboration with a, a a guy I forgot to look up called Rumi. Rumi, yeah, he's the bottle blowing guy, I assume. Um, he's not even. No, he's the singer. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, he's just like another uh, YouTube, YouTube, guy, right? YouTube artist. Um, his description says he makes music and sometimes babies. So he must be a father, or <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, logically, yeah. Um, anyway, s- singer and YouTube artist. Yeah, and this is another one that, like the one we talked about last week for Old Town Road, has a video which helpfully shows you all the instruments that are being played. Yes, although I, this, like, compared to that one, that one was like a novelty thing because it's like one continuous shot kind of mm-hmm. deal, whereas this is kind of seems like it's going in that way and doesn't. Yeah, it's more staged this one, whereas the yeah. the Old Town Runwood is more organic and I think maybe speaks more to what makes these guys an interesting act because like we talked about last time, the video and the, the song itself were kind of inextricable because seeing them do it in the one take with the big handbells and the jar change. Yeah, because they are unusual compelling. instruments. You kind of have to see it mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, what's that, you know? Yeah. Or is this, they kind of set up that, yes, this instrument is in here, and then, because we start with that guy blown into a glass tube, like a bottle, some might yes. call it, and then he grabs the ukulele, but then stops playing the glass tube, even though that is continuing the song. So we get, yeah. we get an idea of what's in there, but we don't see Yeah, exactly clearly it's like a performance of a recording, as opposed to the other one, where maybe it was, but they at least made it look like they were doing the thing at the same time. Yeah. Um... And then it kind of splits, too, because the singer's, like, in a different place. Yes. Um, the ukulele, the way they do this, I mean, we talked about having a bit of twang. You know what else this reminds me of is um, Hey Soul Sister by yeah. Train. Oh, yeah, 100%. This is like, yeah, like the Hey Soul Sister version of Edge of Glory. Yeah, because you get that, that little, uh, just like, ha- like literal hand drumming on a surface drumming. Which, yeah, yeah, which adds to that flavor. I don't even know where there is that but yeah in the video you don't see it it's him at the start with the bottle still he's doing the hand drumming and blowing the bottle at the same time i thought you were talking about later on but yes no because they do they get actual drums in later i think yeah he starts drumming yeah yeah that's right because he's on a drum kit there yeah um but that's and then kind of with through the progression of the video and the song, uh, introduced instruments and in the video people kind of like jump in. As, yeah. So the as bassist and the, the yeah. I think that's an organ or an e yeah. piano guy playing an organ that yeah. in the back in the back, and then uh, the guitar kind of switches to a ukulele. Yeah. Bad, like like the ukulele, and then she jumps in with the guitar, and then she switches back to ukulele. Um, I was a little disappointed because in the video, when they get to the second, I said verse here, it might be chorus, mm-hmm. when she jumps in with the guitar, mm-hmm. they just loop that and play the same video again. Yeah. It's, and it's like, <laughs> and then at that point, it's like, oh, we just went back. It is for the chorus. We just went back to the part from before. We're not even doing another thing. We're just, we're just playing what we did before. It's a little disappointing. 
Yeah, especially because it is different in the uh, in the second verse. You get the organ more consistently throughout, which is I think actually the big change is just the big long organ yeah. holds. So it kind of undermines its own premise, or like at least loses sight of it. I think. Yeah, I think there may be a lot earlier in their career at this point. True. Just this like is only comparing it to Old Town Road, like the differences. I think the Old Town Road is a more interesting cover. I think the video is yeah. better as well, which is not to disparage this one, but it is uh, not as cool. It's not as interesting, and like you no, said, and I think it does beer and execution. Yeah, kind of falls apart later on too. I've already said it falls apart. I think, but um, like they just kind of start to show like footage of like them filming and just like fucking around in that room. Yeah, it's like, like wait like, a minute. Walk in and then you're <laughs> what like, is okay. the premise of this video? Yeah, it's is it just like we're having fun? Which sure, I guess, but you started off with a really crisp premise, yeah. and then just kind of abandoned it. Yeah. And then, so the whole video is black and white until yes. we get to, they also have a saxophone solo. They do. And then that's in the space with uh, the singer, with uh, Rumi, and everything turns to color as some, he's playing and on the rolling Is violin. he also playing the saxophone? Maybe. Because I, I feel it like it could be a different guy that looks kind of similar. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I couldn't tell you with 100% certainty having only met this man yesterday but uh i'm gonna say yes it's the same guy uh, 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 uh. yeah yeah but that's so they do a sax solo it's fine yeah if you like train maybe go for this one yeah it's otherwise the, it's the train uh, version. yeah i'm gonna skip it personally skip it with that, we're going to skip on down the lane to our next version. Paul Middleton in 2013. I'm on the edge of glory And I'm hanging on a moment of truth Out on the edge of glory And I'm hanging on a moment Paul Middleton, he's a British guy. Yep. Um, he plays music. Yes. He's kind of Very a big enough. dude. Yeah. Um, more like and Paul has a Biggleton. very delicate voice, so it's kind of like a contrast thing going on. Oh yeah. If you if you actually if you look at it, so that's fun. Yeah. So this is your sad piano version. It is. It is sad piano version. Very like vocal focus because yes. it really is very stripped down, particularly in the first half when it's just the piano. Um, and then he's got like a, like I said, pretty delicate like voice. Mm-hmm. Um, along with this piano, so it's more focused on just that, and I think yeah. it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think um, he puts in a solid vocal performance. I wrote there is one slightly awkward moment, but I don't remember what it was. Um, let me see if I've got a note on here. Uh, 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 um, no, I don't really got. I think. Hmm. So but my complaint only with slightly, version, I guess. Slightly, it's not awkward enough for you to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um. The version itself, like like we say, he sings pretty well, and I think a tender version of the lyrics, or like of the of the song, makes sense because it's fairly personal song. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of a one on one thing. Yeah, but I need more motion in this. I need something a little more kinetic. It takes half the song for it to build to a point right. where we actually start getting some motion in. And then yeah, because in the second half, to- it brings in strings and yeah. 
Like some more drums too. So yeah. By the time the song peaks, it's done. And then I feel like we could have gone higher, further, and better. Yeah, it definitely feels kind of like, I mean, there's not that much to it. It does. Um, it's really focusing on like the vocal thing, perhaps too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it does. I thought it got like, once it got to the like soaring yeah. part, I thought it did a pretty decent job of that. Yeah, I think we could just do that. Reasonable job. We anyway. could com- compress that to the first half. So, verse, pre chorus to chorus, that's your ramp up to the soaring. And then, and then we, then, because then we can hit verse two running, you know, like a meatloaf song here, man. We have that kind of drama here. <laughs> More we loaf. can do that. Too much beefcake, not enough meatloaf, am I right? That's the real problem here. <laughs> um, yes, and I thought, like, the strings, as much as it, like, created this soaring sound, not much to the strings, not a terribly interesting string arrangement. It's a textbook, yeah. Yeah, so... He sounds good. Yeah, I, th- I don't that's think it's passable. Sure. Um, just not the most interesting cover. Just not, I think we could go a little further here. You're on the edge, you know? There's still something... I gotta feel that edge in the song. I feel the tenderness. I feel feel that... You know, I feel the vulnerability. I need to feel the edge now. I need to feel the other side of that. But, uh, yeah, pretty cool. There's a DJ remix of this one, which is, I think, much oh, I worse, listen. actually. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, because it's just like... It ends up sounding like a worse version of the Lady Gaga one, which is already electro-pop. We're going to talk about a version that has also like that, but so I think Paul Middleton, we talk shit about a lot of slow piano versions on here. I think he does a, a solid job here. I think it could be better. But I Yeah, think I think a shit. lot of the time when you strip it down and just go piano and voice, it lives or dies by the voice and the voice manages to carry it. Yeah. I just want to see him do more, honestly. I want to see, I want to see something else. Yeah. Um, speaking of something else, though, Alex, we've got Amanda Hagel in 2016. I'm on the edge of glory, and I'm hanging on a moment of truth, and I'm on the edge of glory, and I'm hanging on a moment. We do. Saskatoon-based artist, CanCon. Right. CanCon. Going for that grant. <laughs> we are not... Uh, close. Um, close, no. Hey, we count as Canadian content. We make up most of the podcast. That's true. We are Canadian content. Maybe. Um, I wonder if we could argue that. <laughs> we could try. Well, it's our opinions. Uh, it's, uh, it's Canadian content. Um, what about this person? Right. Um, it's kind of got, she's like got a country thing going on. Yeah, she's uh, like country, country music. music. Debut um, in 2014 kind of like rhinestone cowboy and i say that only because country music plus she has like rhinestones on her guitar okay yeah that's true so maybe not cowboy but you know rhinestone country yes there's a music video for this one i'll admit i didn't really watch it because i saw it was just them in a room jamming and i was like all right oh hey i did watch it and i can tell you it's just them in a room jamming yeah i kind of like got the thesis Um, and i was like i don't need to see the whole thing yeah i mean i could go through the highlights um but we'll talk about the song first. No, let's um, talk about the song first. It's country. So baby. it's country, baby. This is like she's got. It's like Cheryl Crow, Shania Twain. Yeah, real style soft country girl, female pop country thing. Mm-hmm. That's 
kind of it, though. That is really it. So we establish a rhythm here. Yeah. We and get a little lead guitar just, at the top. Yeah. Um, mandolin. Mandolin. A Picking lead mandolin. On the mandolin. A little mandolin yeah. solo there. Um, and then, yeah, once we get out of that, you get some noodling on that mandolin between um, parts of the verse, like first half of the verse, get a little noodle. Second half of the verse, noodle. Pretty chorus, some more noodling. But beyond that, it is really just the most basic of basic string rhythm. Too many noodles, not enough sauce. You know what I'm That's saying? That's the problem here, man. Um, yeah, it's it's just really like basic. And uh, for a song that's like, it's not like really a groove or anything. And to just settle into that, I feel like, I don't know, it's not doing itself any favors. Yeah, this song's kind not of living on the edge. Like a pretty straightforward guitar strumming rhythm pattern i mean the mandolin's cool yeah but it doesn't add like that much it's very and like it doesn't really advance or change in any way it's very no you're right um you get harmonies on the chorus so the dudes join in yeah and she does a cool thing on the final chorus line where she does the kind of like cowboy talk sing on it so instead of going like up and big, she's like, I'm on the edge for you. But there's nothing before it to make that line pay off, in my opinion. I I didn't really think this version paid off. In any ways. In any way. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's very basic, very boring. Um, and to compare it to the Paul Middleton version, which can also be accused of being a bit one note in one sense, um, the tenderness is there. The emotion, at least, like there is an emotional link that mm-hmm. that connects and you know bridges the songs. So we go, yes, this is a an interpretation of Magiclory. I understand where this one is just like, what if it's a little bit country and we don't do a lot? And it's like, well, it's not, it's not great. That's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, that's what happens. If it, and it, like yeah. it tries to kind of go with the guitar or not guitar, uh, mandolin picking thing. I feel like there's almost not like there's maybe more of that. I don't know. Just a- yeah, they had the idea to put mandolin forward and then got scared. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's in the video playing mm-hmm. that mandolin. So cool. Yeah, not much else in the video to talk about. Um, it's them playing. Playing their yeah. instruments. Something singing. in this song needs to be braver. Close ups like, on the, the faces. Vocals, the mandolin. Yeah. yeah sorry, you're talking about the music video now. Close ups on the faces. They're in a triangle formation, the strongest shape. Strongest shape. Yeah. She's at the uh, peak of the triangle, so she's the most powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to say about this. Spearhead <laughs> on this operation. Yeah. It uh, can con, more like can't con. Oh. You can't fool ouch. me. This wasn't a very good oh. version. Indeed it indeed twasn't. Twasn't, but twasn't. let's talk about, <laughs> about the next version here. Talking about Cool yeah. Killers cool featuring Killers. Lucia Gill in twenty nineteen. Okay, I looked up, I was like, how do you say her name? Uh, and there's a handy pronunciation Oh, good. Uh, on a Wikipedia page. And she's Spanish, so it's like Lucia. Oh. Uh, Lucia? And then, it and then it's, I is couldn't it tell how to pronounce it, but the way it was described on the Wikipedia page was like the C-H in lock. So it's like Gil. Lock. But that doesn't make much sense to me. 
So but the know. examples are like wild because it's it says uh, English approximation is Scottish lock, but the words that it gives you as an example are like jamon, general, Mexico, hamster, like the X in Mexico and the H in hamster, and it's like that <laughs> doesn't help me very much. Kill. So I don't really know how to pronounce it. Lucia. But it's definitely like Lucia. Anyway, I'm probably going to call her Lucia, though. Just for simplicity. Like, I still say Barcelona. Right, instead of Barcelona. Yeah. Um, Yes, she is the winner of the first season of the Spanish Disney Channel syncing competition, My Camp Rock. Yeah. So. On Cool Killers, we talked about before on our Dancing in the Moonlight. Dancing in the Moonlight episode. I even have the note here. I don't know why I didn't just look at it. Um, They're indistinguishable from like Pomplamoose and and Spooky Pockets. Scary Pockets? Scary Pockets. But they are another like minimalist funk weekly cover release jam band who features random singers, sometimes from YouTube, sometimes from Disney Channel singing competitions. Yeah. It's a very similar setup. Yeah. Um, They Um, have a music video as well. Similar concept. It's all them sitting in a space and jamming. I could swear to you the only difference, like they're in like the exact same formation as the Dancing in the Moonlight one. Just yeah, because they're all like sitting on a couch. Yeah, and just different singer in the singer spot. And uh, I, I kind of like this one. It's very busy. Very busy groove. Yeah. Um, I, like, so, I liked it. But also, yeah, there is, it's busy. Um, but then I guess there's kind of two parts to it. Um. And I think it works because, like, her singing is a little poppier than I would expect from this kind of a setup. Because often they go with, like, more indie types. Yeah. And, which maybe she is, but she's definitely got, like, a pretty big voice. Yeah, and she's um, putting some of that growl into it. Yeah. She's giving it an edge. Yeah, so she's, like, she's really going. And they're obviously, you know, doing their groove thing, which is pretty consistent throughout. Yeah, and then they sort, sort of... Muted guitars, you're boom, ba ding ding Muted rhythm guitar. The bass is really, really fast. Lots of bass notes. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of do a thing where they, like, cut it all down. Mm-hmm. Um, like, way down and turn it into, like, a pop ballad. So it's yeah, almost like kind of bringing verse. the two styles together. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of neat, and it kind of works with the way she sings, especially. Yeah, I think it could have been executed better. Maybe the issue uh, is is that like the funk sections aren't all that big. So yeah, you, that's true. It's kind of hard to do big in funk, especially if it's in this style. Yeah, this this like self proclaimed minimalist funk, as they call yeah. it. Yeah. So it's a whole lot of tiny muted ghost notes that add up to not a lot. And then you try to do this like cool hard shift into a ballad after, of course, musically referencing Under the Sea. Yeah, that was a little questionable. Yeah, well, you know, she is from the Disney Channel. So maybe that's actually a reference I to guess so. reference her. Maybe to her she pass. had to sing that or something. It is so that Disney. could be a bit of cheeky fun. I like, I like that the concept of fun is behind this. But uh, I think no, the, no fun, no fun. <laughs> but I think the the shift to the ballad again, like a cool move. We've talked about the holophonics for two weeks this month as well, and they mm-hmm. have kind of done both times we talked about them that that shift into an unexpected place, and you go, oh, this is cool. right, and it builds up an interest. But here it just like it doesn't because the chorus is not that big, so it doesn't 
quite feel like a big downshift. It's just like a modest downshift. Conceptually, I like it, though. Yeah. Um, um, I always, I'm always, Alex, tell me this. So, okay. if, if I didn't tell you this was Cool Killers going in, if I gave this to you blind, would you know or would you think it was Pomplamoose or Scary Pockets? Um, that's a good question. I didn't specifically remember Cool Killers before I had to look them up. Before you saw the name, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So I, I would not necessarily, I wouldn't, let me, hang on, let me check something real quick. I don't think I would have thought it was Scary Pockets because the EP isn't doing the one thing that is like every Scary Pockets song. Okay, yeah. But I would definitely have been like, ah, it's someone like that, which it is. But um, I probably wouldn't have discounted. I wouldn't have said it couldn't be Scary Pockets either, for sure. Right. Like, maybe he learned a new EP sound. (laughs) No, he didn't. Maybe he's playing a different pattern. (laughs) But yeah, I like that ballad section. Um... And I like that there is energy in this, but it's just like it needs that that punch up. We need a little bit more motion in a lot of these versions. Um, yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Anything else on this one, Alex? Not really. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. No. Let's talk about what is inarguably the most boring version. Years <laughs> and years in 2021. Yeah, this is a guy. He's another British singer. Um, mm-hmm. Ollie this Alexander. Is, is yeah, his name. I, looking up years and years, it says like it's the solo product, project of this guy. But if you dig into it a little bit, which is like the next paragraph, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, like it wasn't always a solo project. It was a band and everyone else quit. Much recently, yeah. yeah it was until like this album, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then now it's, now it's his solo project because everyone else left. Exactly. Um, which happens sometimes, but it doesn't always get acknowledged, so I guess maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, they released a statement which was just like, oh, we're all growing apart musically. We've been together 10 years, blah, blah, so, blah. So, Ollie's going to keep it up, but we're getting out of here. He's going to, yeah, he's going to keep it up. So, he's been solo for about a year at this point, and the genre is de- defined as electropop, synth pop, dance pop, indie pop. And boldly, this man, Ollie Alexander, has taken on the, um, the Born This Way album and boldly claimed to invent born this way reimagined so we're we're taking um, 10th anniversary reimagined you know the electro pop slash electro rock disco hit um born this way or rather the edge of glory and we're now transforming it into electro pop synth pop dance pop indie pop a, a bold huge step a wild reimagining this, this version was so mind-numbingly boring, Alex. It was I put it on because the fucking editor on uh, Secondhand Songs was like, this is the fucking sauce right here. And I was like, okay, let's... Maybe let's if you're really like 90s house, which he's allegedly inspired by, but I, I actually couldn't tell you if this is 90s house. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Inspired, because I don't know those genres very well. No. Um, but yeah, this one, I like... I kept meaning to come back to it. I like listened to it a couple times and like I was trying to write notes. I was like, yeah, there's electric music here. Yeah, it's like, poppy. There's I'm a lot of like not in the pulsing space. drums and synth- yeah, it was like late at night. I was like, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll sleep. I'll come back to it. And I just like couldn't bring myself back to it. Um, 
But yeah, it's just kind of like the dancey synthy remix version. Yeah. It's like like the original can be accused of being a little bit simplistic. It's, you know, you got your four on the floor. Yeah, I was yeah, trying to figure out. I'm like, sense. is this just like an alternate version? It's yeah, it's know. just like, what if it's all focused on rhythm? Um, also, we don't have the bombastic vocals of Lady Gaga on board. What if we, <laughs> what if we right. strip down? It definitely doesn't is... have that vocal support. No. Just cheap, boring synths. Nothing ever even tries to be like a exciting melody synth or anything. We have a very short break for what, you know, was originally the sax solo. We didn't even try something exciting there. You know, electronic music is at least supposed to be bold enough to say, fuck organic instruments, we can make any noise. And then you do this, right? (laughs) Like, it's... Yeah. It's, uh, all the, like, instrumental bits are shorter. It just kind of, like, goes through the first chorus and then... Yeah. And uh, this like one also does is. piano right at the end. Yeah. Kind of like breaks it down, which, I mean, that's like the second or third one to do that. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's just like vocally uninteresting. Instrumentally uninteresting. Genre-wise, not even a, a lazy twist to blade back country. Like, Yeah. Where's the reimagining? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't feel reimagined, it just feels like a bit different, which I guess is kind of what that is, but reimagined just sounds so grand. Yeah, that sounds like, you know? oh, we're doing something crazy here. What if Bornless Way was the soundtrack to a horror film or something? Like, some yeah. kind of weird twist where it's like, what if it was just me doing it instead of Lady Gaga? Great. Ten years later. Yeah. Fucking good for you years and years. Yeah, well, it's definitely not like my type of music. So... I I don't know. I don't. I but, but I don't like it. It's either. not far enough from the original to be enough of somebody else's type of music to say like I'm gonna listen to years and years instead of Lady Gaga. Yeah, I, I don't know why you'd pick this one over the original. Yeah. With that, let's get into our verdict. See what happens here. We got three categories today. Yeah. The worst version, the best version, and the version that is um you know what that like bruce springsteen would probably like fuck yeah okay <laughs> i was gonna say the version that makes you want to like ride a motorcycle at top speed in the, the wrong lane or something but no let's make it simple what do you think bruce springsteen would like out of these covers all right we'll take a guess about springsteen okay number last Number last, yeah, worst version. What is it, Alex? I will probably give it to Amanda Hagel. That's a fair one. I just it was very flat. Um, not really a style I like generally, but I feel like even within that, it didn't do a whole lot. And uh, like the fact that it was so even throughout, mm-hmm. like they didn't, they changed hardly anything. And yeah. There's just nothing going on, man. It did feel very flat. It was just like, just gone. In a moment, it was gone. You're just like, okay, well, Amanda Hagel's done. I'm moving on to Cool Killers. Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> like, not even a speed bump in the progress of my life. Just, just, just moving dead. on. But the same can also be said for years and years, who I'm going to give it to. Except it also pissed me off. I was just like, dude. <laughs> and if I hadn't read the album it was on or a part of, I would have been like, okay, fine. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Whatever. 
Well, Cynthia, little, we've like we've done things like this where they're like, ah, it's a little electronic update, which this doesn't even succeed in doing. It doesn't feel Not like really. an updated version. It just feels like you wanted to karaoke the Edge of Glory. And by golly, he did. By golly, he did. And we're all worse for it. Worst version. So now I'm best version, Alex. Best version. I think my favorite version was uh, Cool Killers. I think it's a great choice. Um, you know, I, I know I'm a little more into the min- minimalist funk stuff uh, generally than you are. Um, but I enjoyed this one well enough. Good little groove. And... Uh, Interesting little little shift midway through. Yeah, making choices. And and they also had like pretty strong vocal on it, which helps. Yeah. Because the original does, and it's a song that benefits from that. I would agree, yeah. She she could be accused of trying too much to just be Lady Gaga, but It's not the worst thing you could be. It's not the worst thing you could be on this on this track. Um I might agree with you. I've kind of got a top three. Okay. Cool Killers, Paul Middleton, and I think Walk Off the Earth does an all right job. They're like, it's not, it's like, it's not a strong showing this week, but those are kind of the ones who who rose to the top. Um, you know what? I'm gonna give it to Paul Middleton because I think he he did um, good. He struck the right emotional chord. He just needs to build on that. Um, I could say the same for Cool Killers. I want them to build on the high energy section. Yeah, I want maximalist I d- funk. I didn't think anyone like hit this out of the park mm-hmm. this week. Um, but that happens sometimes, but there's still some strong versions. Yeah. And if you, unlike the context, a lot of these guys are going to be playing in is, you know, you're out live, you're out at a, you know, a small gig. You got this in your pocket. One, you can play around with it each time you do it. And two True. people are going to respond. They're going to be, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. they're going to know it. Like going to sing along or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's my picks, Paul Middleton, but you know, some shout outs to the, to the fairly average, but you know they got a little, they got they got a little polish on them. Some of these versions. So shout out to Cool yeah. Killers and. What's interesting? Walk none of these versions really like change up the melody at all. No. Which sometimes you know you go crazy, although not always. That's not so uncommon, but. No, but sometimes you just didn't. strip it apart, and you're like, well, let's yeah. really see what we can make this song. Yeah. None of that this week. Um, Alex, Bruce Springsteen is. Um, has hit his head and lost all memory of the the original song, The Edge of <laughs> Glory. Song. Which one's he going for? Which one's he going for? <sighs> I don't know, man. I would say... Um, I'm just like Paul Middleton, because Springsteen's been doing a lot of that like solo stuff lately. Yeah. You know, stripped down versions of his own songs, so I feel like he'd... Maybe appreciate that. Yeah, he's in a bit of an emotional place too, so he might connect yeah. more to that tenderness than sort of the the urgent, like pounding need to to flee New Jersey. That said, he's known to talk about the urgent pounding need to flee New Jersey. Yeah, um, he I read a quote from him this week where he uh, says, "Do you know the the animals song? We got to get out of here." Um, I think I read that quote. Yeah, he says that's every song I've ever written. That's all of them. I'm not kidding either. That's Born to Run, Born in the USA. So yeah, his his whole uh, music writing style is based on a song whose idea is we got to get out of this place. It's this this (laughs) urgency, this need to to get out, be free, feel alive, escape. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So what's he gonna like out of these? Not foster the people. Um, he's also got a bit of a country bent these days. He does. So I'm going to lean to walk off the earth. Who also had just a bit of a country bend. Yeah. 
and a little more successful than I think the Amanda Hegel. Yeah, that's too flat. He would he would have fallen asleep. Thing. So that's our picks. Yeah. For this week, you got similar opinions. Shut up, Nona. <laughs> you got similar <laughs> opinions, different opinions. Want to talk to us a version about that we didn't talk about? Hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag CoverMePod at Jake the Cressy at some Alex Wise Guy. We will respond to your comments because that's what I did this week. Jake, Jake will. I, I will. um. I will tell Alex almost a week later, and and then you will know that I told Alex two weeks later. It's a bit of a system, but, you know, we're working on it. Hit us up. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Review us, people. Tell your friends. Shout out to all you who are telling your friends. Um, You know, it's good to see you. Thank you all. That's the end of the episode. And as we always say on Cover Me, it isn't hell if everybody knows Cover Me tonight.